us this morning and hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, last night people came in and saying, man, I'm stuffed. And I was like, man, I'm broke <laughs> after this past Friday. So I uh, hope you all had a good Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday shop and all that stuff. Uh, we had a great time, safe travels to Indiana with Bridget's family and back. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great Thanksgiving. So hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. But we're going to move on with uh, Christmas stuff. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, if you're not in a small group already, we really do believe that life is better together. And if you want to join a group, head to guest services and see a volunteer uh, after service today. You can also comment groups on the live stream. And uh, we'll reach out to you this week. Now, let's throw some pictures up here. We've got some updates on our uh, man buckets here. Uh, we gave out six man buckets. And uh, see, we, Larry Gates there. Larry Gates uh, is a widower. Amy Gates uh, lost her, or won her battle, really, in heaven with cancer. Uh, there's Bob Gregg. If anyone knows Bob Gregg, we know he is very worthy of uh, this man bucket. And Bob has been sick recently. So if you, if you pray every morning, say a prayer for Bob Gregg. He is very sick. But uh, we were awesome. It was awesome to give him this, too. Gary Slade's. Gary's here today. He was here last night, but uh, Roxy also got some treats in her man bucket with Gary as well, so uh, that was very thoughtful. Uh, we got, yeah, Walter Lane. Some of you that are new to Journey may not know Walt. Uh, Walt loves to fish, and uh, he's been sick as well, having some health issues, but hasn't been here for a while. Uh, he plans to come back soon. There's a, there's a familiar face there. Uh, Fred uh, was very unaware this was happening, uh, but Fred is also very worthy of this too. I think we got one more up here. And uh, Mr. Billy Grayson as well. So uh, give a round of applause for everyone donating to these man buckets. And uh, especially the volunteers able to capture these moments. Uh, Very powerful stuff. So thank you for that. Uh, But like I said, let's move on. We're going to Christmas. Uh, Christmas is pretty much here. Uh, It's been here for me since October. But uh, it's pretty much here for everyone else now. But we're going to get started with the Cynthiana Christmas tree lighting. We're going to be down there Friday, December 1st, giving out free hot chocolate as they light the memorial trees. There's a couple ways you can help. Uh, You can donate uh, cash and check to the Tide Jug to help cover uh, the cost of hot chocolate and cups. Uh, You can also volunteer. Uh, There's two outreaches over here on this table, and uh, we'll talk about the other one in just a second. But I believe it's on the right side of the table. You can sign up to help uh, with the Christmas tree lighting. We're going to meet down there December 1st at 5.30 and start serving at 6 o'clock. If that's something you're interested in, go ahead and leave your name and number on that sign-up sheet, and we'll contact you this week. Uh, let's go to the other one. we got another uh, outreach here. Uh, we're very excited for this one. Uh, so if you're new to Journey, you might know us as the church that likes to do uh, crazy and weird kind of stuff that no one else does. Uh, one of the things that we do every Christmas is we go to uh, two local nursing homes, which are Parkside and Shady Lawn. And uh, really, we used to bring them here before COVID, and we loaded them up in vans and did a dinner theater for them. It was a really fun event. Uh, COVID obviously changed a lot of that. And so now we take stuff to them. Uh, with goodie bags and a hot meal. So this year we're taking up only socks. We've done toboggans and gloves and scarves in the past. We're doing only socks. Here's how you can help, though. You can bring in socks, and next week, it'll be after service, we're putting it up. We're going to put up a tree and put it up front by the welcome desk. Come in and just hang those socks on the tree. And I know that sounds weird, uh, but hang those socks on the tree. It'll help us give a, get a head count for socks. You can also bring in candy because we're putting candy and socks and goodie bags. You can drop that candy in the black tote over here by the stage, and there's already some in there. So uh, bring that in, too. You can also donate cash and check to cover the cost of socks and candy if we don't have enough. I believe we need 125 
And then we're also doing a hot meal. We are partnering with the uh, Cynthia Cheese Store. And uh, if any of you saw on Facebook this past week, they did a Thanksgiving meal on Facebook. We're pretty much replicating that and giving that to the nursing homes. So we need 125 meals, uh, socks, and all of that stuff. So if you want to help with that, you can do that as well. You can also sign up to volunteer. And uh, there'll be more information here in the coming weeks about when to meet to put all these things together as well as delivering them. But we're very excited for that and hope you are too. And Christmas at Journey is going to be a little different this year. Uh, Bobby and Connie are leaving town. They're going to Canada to spend Christmas with grandkids for the first time. It's pretty cool. Uh, So uh, you pray for me. And then pray for you because I'm in charge. I'm in charge for two weeks. So I'm preaching the 17th and 24th. I'm excited for that. But join us Christmas weekend, the 23rd and 24th, Saturday at 6, Sunday at 1030. I've got a really great message planned, I hope. Uh, Like I said, pray for you. (laughs) Pray for me too. But I'm very excited for this, uh, the privilege to speak. Uh, I love speaking, and I really do believe what God has put on my heart to speak at Christmas time uh, really is a message that everyone should be able to hear and should be able to receive uh, with glad and sincere hearts and all that kind of stuff we think about at Christmas time. But very excited for that. So join us at Christmas uh, here this year at Journey. And we're back in momentum. We're back in week three of momentum. Today's message is a little different. Um, if anyone caught the countdown, it was a song by uh, an artist named Mandisa, and it's called Bleed the Same. And uh, the lyrics go something like, We all bleed the same, so why are we fighting? If we're going to fight, let's fight for each other. And let's let love be the battle cry. So that's what today's message is about. We're talking about racial tension, uh, racial prejudice and bias in our world. And uh, Bobby's got a great message playing. Heard it last night. And I hope you're excited for it. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather here this morning. And God, as we talk about uh, a hot topic such as racism, I pray for uh, hearts to receive this message and uh, how we can do our part in our world to just love people better like Jesus would. Because that's really what it comes down to. Whether it's racism or whether it's political parties or whatever is dividing us as a group of people, uh, we're your people, God. And I pray that we would unite together and see that love really does overcome everything that divides us. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Guys, we're going to have a great lesson. Uh, it went over last night, but I was too long, so I'm going to try to cut it shorter and not make it as long, but let's start here. Let's do our best to keep this momentum going, the goodwill. That's what I heard everybody talking about last night, Journey Saturday at uh, 6. Everybody's talking about how their family time was great, their food was great, everybody felt good. There was some sickness, but most of us got well. I mean, it was like ever. I said, how was your, how was Thanksgiving? Everybody said it was terrific. Say terrific? And it was because I think we all tried harder. We wanted to try to have a better day. You know, maybe we really wanted it really bad. Maybe we needed a good day really bad. So how do you keep momentum going? How do you keep the momentum of goodwill going 
all the way into Christmas, all the way into the new year, and even beyond that. How do we do that? That's what we're talking about. How do we keep moving the ball? How, how do we keep moving the chains, stay in front of the chains? How, how does our team really score? How do we do this? How do we keep momentum? Momentum is a real thing. And it's a real thing in your, your personal life and your emotional and, you know, your relational health. Uh, a, a, lot, a lot of us feel uh, we struggle sometimes at holidays. We struggle when we see there are people uh, that were missing. But honest to goodness, I think it was a great Thanksgiving for most people. And I think they can feel the real momentum, and I think Jesus does change everything. So I'm going to talk about this topic, but I'm going to do it a little different. I'm not really going to talk about black and white differences. I'm just going to talk about people, guys. And, and I want to do my best to do this as quick as I can. So I don't, want to, I don't want to take too long and linger here, but I want to tell you something. Find a Bible, go to Acts chapter 13, and Jesus changes everything. If you've got a Bible, and if you're not, just look on the screen. If you don't want to find your Bible, or you don't want to do it on your smartphone, that's okay. But let me tell you this little story. Here's the, back, here's the background. When I was a kid growing up in Georgetown, I was born in Georgetown, and I started out in Scott County. I went to third grade at Eastern Elementary School. When I was a kid, I remember going to the Georgetown Courthouse, and it was segregated. And the bathroom facilities were kind of weird. Upstairs was the white folks. There was a sign men and women, but also it said white. That was upstairs. And downstairs was the black folks. It said men and women too. Men on one end, women on the other, but it said black. And even as a kid in the 50s, I thought that was kind of crazy. Like, I didn't understand that. And to tell you the truth, a lot has changed in our world today. I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I, I never I never felt prejudiced or biased, but I just felt like that's kind of weird that in my lifetime I can remember where we did separate and divide people because of the color of their skin. That's a bad idea. That's a dumb idea. And thankful, I am thankful that I live in America, and I hope you are too. I'm a veteran, and there are a lot of veterans in here. And I'm telling you, we got our problems, but we're not perfect, and we need to work on a lot of things. But America is one of those places where I can say in my lifetime, I have seen an African-American become a president. You might not like his politics, and you might not voted for him. But it's pretty amazing that since the 50s, it has changed that much. We, we have an African-American vice president. You might not like a thing that she... She is doing policy-wise. You might not ever vote for her. That's pretty amazing. We'll probably have a woman who will be a pre president in your lifetime, if not in mine. Probably someone who is Hispanic. 25% of our population is going to be Hispanic real soon in America. And so when we talk about racial prejudice or bias or you know, how, how do we build community in our community? We are doing that, even if it feels like we're not. America still represents Judeo-Christian values 
that we really are better together and that but really the ground is level at the foot of the cross and really that Jesus changes everything. America represents that for the world. It still does. So I know the news is negative and I know that Israel and Hamas are fighting a war right now and I know that people are divided over religious and economic and political ideas and ideologies. I understand that, that we're not all on the same page. Not even in the church. But I'm telling you that America is a beacon of light for a lot of people around the world still. And so are you. So are you who come to Journey Church or whatever church it is that you attend or whoever you follow online or whoever your family is. I'm telling you, racism and this uh, kind of bias about uh, African American or people with different color skin, it's been, it's been around in our world a long time, since ancient times in the Bible. Uh, even among Jesus' disciples and followers, not everybody could get along. Not everybody was able to build community in their community. They had differences too, economic and political and academic and religious differences. Slavery existed since ancient times. It's not just in the last couple of hundred years since Abraham Lincoln that we talked about uh, doing away with slavery. Slavery's been around since the beginning of time where one people group was stronger, richer, bigger, badder, tougher, whatever, and someone else ended up having very little. That's been around for a long, long time. So how did they do it? How did they do it? How did they in the Bible do it? How did, how did Jesus do it? It turns out that, that growing momentum and building community in your community in the Bible, it turns out it's the same way that someone might build a business. Or it's the same way that someone might build a team. It's the same way that someone might build their career. First, you've got to have a great plan, and then you've got to have a team that's on the same page. So whether you're Mark Stoops and the University of Kentucky football team, or whether you're John Calipari, or your team's Louisville, or you root for somebody in Michigan, I don't care if you work for IBM, or you work for Amazon Prime, I don't care if you live in a city in New York City, or I don't care if you live in Cynthiana. It turns out the way that you actually do this, whether it's Cynthiana Baptist Church, or Southland Christian Church, or some tiny little church, or some great big mega church, it turns out the secret sauce here is just two things. You've got to have a good plan. You've got to have a blueprint and some construction that really does seem like, like this could come together. We could build something. And then you've got to have people that are working for the same goals. It's not too complicated. It really isn't. It's really pretty simple. What's the answer to how we can build community and our community I'm the kind of guy that probably is better at drawing a picture than writing the book. I just need to write, I, I just need to kind of draw a picture for you, and that's what I'm going to try to do today. So I've got two thoughts. One is, here's number one, if we're going to do this thing about not showing any kind of prejudice or bias because somebody's black or white, we all bleed the same or because somebody's rich or poor or somebody's a drug addict or somebody's an alcoholic and somebody else is sober. If we're going to actually gonna be a family, if we're going to build community and partnership, how do we do this? Turns out it begins here. You've got to have some kind of construction plan, comprehensive, clear plan, 
a strategy. So Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Let me read this verse 1, and you, let's put it on the screen. Here's where it begins. In the church at Antioch, where things really got going fast. So go back with me a couple weeks ago, and I, I introduced you to the book of Acts, which is a history of the church that Jesus started. And I told you that the church got started by the hundreds and then by the thousands. Everybody was saying, I want in. Give me some of this Jesus stuff. And so after two Jesus sermons in the book of Acts, Acts 2 and Acts 4, you have about 10,000 people who came to Jesus, didn't have a building, <laughs> they didn't have a preacher or a budget, they didn't have a chair to sit in. But they were just all... They were all in. They were flocking to Jesus and his message after his resurrection. And the church got established really quick. And they had this momentum. And then there was pushback that a lot of people who already had a church, and they were Jewish, and they had a different idea about Jesus' way and the Jewish way. Because it was the Jewish people who did not accept Jesus as the Messiah, who actually had him arrested and executed. There was this conflict of ideas that were really lack of prejudice or a bias that people had. They didn't like each other. They resented each other. And so there was this moment in Acts where things kind of got out of hand. There was a lot of tension, and a lot of people had to scatter because there was persecution that arose. The Roman government got involved. The Jewish people themselves got involved. And these people who, uh, who were just trying to follow Jesus and share good news that God's for everybody, not everybody knows, you've got to tell everybody, some people didn't like that. Some people didn't accept that. And so by the time we get to chapter 13, which I just read in the church at Antioch, Antioch was kind of like the church where uh, it all got started, like the epicenter it's kind of like what happened in our world this year when people started talking like, what's going on at Asbury? Is this a real revival of God? Why are people coming from all over the world and standing in line for two and a half, three hours? Some of you went down there and saw it yourself. It was kind of this, Antioch was kind of the place where it was happening. And people were hearing about Jesus. And so that's what I read in chapter 13, verse 1. And here's how, I, let me finish verse 1. In this church where it was kind of happening, Jesus was having a happening. It, it was happening in this city. There were prophets and teachers, and then they're named Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon or Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So write this down. There's this thing that God's doing and there's this blueprint, there's this crew, there's this awesome crew of people, there's, a, there's these five names that make up God's team, like you're trying to build your company, or you're trying to build your career, or you're trying to build your farm, and you're trying to grow a herd of cattle. I don't know what you're trying to do, but it takes, it takes some kind of clear blueprint construction plan that's a strategy for growth and momentum, and then you've got to get the right people on the right page and get the right people on the right bus and in the right seat on the bus and move some folks around without making everybody mad 
you got to find a way to do this. And so God was doing this. Antioch was the place. Say the place. It was happening. And these five guys, all of them are different. Now you might think I'd never pick these five guys. Why don't you pick five white guys or five black guys or five Hispanic guys or five big guys or five little guys? Why don't you pick five guys that are just alike? But he didn't do it that way. He picked five people and we're na- they were named, and I'm going to mention them again, five names of the, the crew and all of them with different backgrounds but all of them aligned with the same mission and purpose on the same page, tell everybody. Everybody's invited to the Jesus party. Tell everybody. And they were wanting to build something that was bigger than themselves. Something that would last a community and a family of people that everybody could experience and enjoy no matter who you were. We are different. Mandisa, but we all do bleed the same, and we do have more in common than we really realize than what separates us, and you guys at Journey are a team, and I want your team to grow, and I want you to see what it takes to have a clear, comprehensive construction plan strategy, and then a building crew that really knows how to do it. I want you to watch this video. It's kind of like making burgers and fries. When you think of classic food on the go, one meal comes to mind, at least for me, and that would be burgers and fries. So here's a look at how five brothers are winning over burger lovers with their fresh take on an American favorite. So watch. At Five Guys, regular cheese, little cheese, burgers and fries are the specialty of the house. The grill proudly sports very few frills and makes meat patties like you do at home. I love coming to a place that's got real hamburger meat that's fresh in the morning. If I can find those places, that's where I'll stop every time. The five guys are actually five brothers who began grilling up their homemade hamburgers in Virginia in the mid-1980s. Okay, we'll start with the oldest. My oldest brother, Jim, and that'd be me, Matt, and then we have Chad, and then we have Ben and Tyler. All brothers. Their love for mouth-watering meat and potatoes now stretches across America. This Five Guys restaurant in Colorado Springs, Colorado, cooks up well over a thousand burgers every day. Getting ready for hungry hamburger fans starts early in the morning. They slice veggies and form fresh ground beef into perfect patties all by hand. The freshness is really what we focus on. And keep in mind, when we do our prep in the morning, we prep for only one day. Then the number of people who walk in the door determines how many patties sizzle on the grill. As soon as that customer walks in the door, you're going to hear somebody up front yell, two in the door, one in the door, three in the door. That's the cue to put some patties on the grill. They watch the outer edges of the patty to turn a grayish color. Then give them a flip. Flip that, and we're going to give it a good press and level. The press keeps the burgers juicy, and it's the juices that signal when it's time for another turn. We can train these guys where they can look at a burger and say, you know what, that burger's done. We're going to swing that right over here. But this is only half the meal. Now you can't have baseball without a bat. You can't have a burger without fries. Sacks of potatoes surround customers in the restaurant. A board shows where the spuds come from each day. 
Would you believe five guys fries up 100 million pounds of potatoes each year? The fries start with a slice, then soak in water. They pre-cook the potatoes for a couple of minutes. So that gives us that perfect fry that the inside of that is like a baked potato. Then when orders come in, a final drop of the peanut oil crisps the outside. Pretty much goes from the dirt to the bag, into the sink, into the fryer, and into your mouth. And that's it. I mean, there's not, there's very few steps. Their secret for freshness is to stay low tech. No microwaves, freezers, or even timers here. We want them to leave and go, how did they make that burger so good? This all-American meal takes just five to seven minutes to make. Here you are, sir. You have a great day. And for some, it takes even less time to eat. Now, why did I show you that? All that turkey you ate, you're done with that, buddy. You're all hitting a hamburger joint today, I can tell you right now. That's the sermon. I ought to quit right there. I said that last night. You guys got to get this. Church is not so stinking complicated that we can't grow. And you can't help your friends. It's like five guys, burgers and fries. You got to have a great plan. You got to have a blueprint. And then you got to have a crew. It doesn't matter if you're white or black, rich or poor, big or little, old or young. you got to have a crew that's all aligned on the same page and the same mission. And you believe, like, dude, we're going to do this different than anybody else. We want to go across America. We don't want to just have one hamburger joint, one little town. We want to have it for everybody. They went to every state. It took them 50 years. 1980, they started. They got five brothers they're all different age groups. The young punk could have said to the old brother, hey, dude, we don't need burgers anymore. Everybody eats pizza. Well, that would have been the end of five guys and fries. You got to have the young guys. You guys who are sitting here got to help us old guys. I said this last night, and Brian's hiding right back there behind this guy. I can't see him right now. He's hiding behind Bill. But I put it on him last night. I told him, I said, dude, it's your age group's got to pick this up. Journey Church ain't going no farther until you young dudes get on the same page with us old dudes. Five guys and fries can go across America, but you got to make this your mission that everybody knows that God is for you. Come to this place. Check it out. That we really are better together. you got to step up and join the team if you want to be the team that wins, you know, SEC football. Step up and join the team if you want to have, you know, another NCAA championship, Calipari. You got to, every player's got to buy in, young and old, white and black, poor. Some of you got money and some of you got none. Bring it, whatever you got, and line it up. And it's not as complicated as you make it. you you got to just realize this. It's like this enthusiasm. It's like different food. It's like I want a different experience. It's like when somebody shows up at that door, we call them ninjas here. We're supposed to be a ninja. That when somebody, three at the door, two at the door, one at the door, if you care so much about a hamburger that you don't want your hamburger to get cold, wouldn't you like to have some enthusiasm in church again? Say amen. That's on you guys.
That's on you guys. You got to help. You got you to gotta get with the mission. You got to get with the team. And it's all age groups. It's all people. It's all of us doing this together. And it's that we want to make the freshest kind of Jesus experience that when they walk away, they're telling somebody else, like, dude, you got to go check this out for yourself. I've never had a hamburger like that before. i never had French fries like that before. I've never heard a story about Jesus like that before. you got to come and check it out yourself, whoever the heck you are. Say amen? All right, I better stop and go back to my notes. I'm not going to get done with shorter. You can see why I went overtime last night. I can tell you what. I get enthusiastic, and I hope you do too. Just two ideas. That's all I've got. And I started with them. You need to have a clear strategy. Calipari, Mark Stoops, or whoever you are that you follow, whoever your team is, the Bengals, whatever kind of cow you got in your field, whatever kind of barn you're trying to build, whatever kind of second degree or first degree you're trying to take and get some better education, a better job, whatever counseling you're getting right now for your marriage, because you're trying to make it better, whatever kind of grief support that you need because you've lost your spouse, you gotta have a, you got to have a plan. you got to have a clear strategy, and you got to have an amazing, awesome building crew that make up your team, and all of them got to understand, even though they have different interests and backgrounds, they're all aligned for this mission, that God really is for everybody. Not everybody knows. We got to tell everybody. Jesus changes everything. People matter most. You got to begin to own that. And then it happens. All these diverse, different kind of people begin to make an impact. And you begin to win some games that people thought you would lose. Not everybody works at the same factory. Not everybody goes to the same high school. Some of us got here from Amer got here to America, and we crossed the border in Mexico, and others of us, we don't know how we got here. Our family got us here years ago. But we all moved into the neighborhood somehow. The five guys that are in the Bible, let me, let me give you the story on these five guys before I move on. The five guys that God used in the Bible to... Shake things up, and by the thousands, people started coming to discover that God was for everybody and Jesus changes everything. Here's the first one. So you know I'm going to have this in your notes, so just listen for a second. Barnabas is the first guy mentioned. Barnabas is actually Jewish. He's of the tribe of Levi. He lived on the island of Cyprus. He had a wealthy family. They had a lot of real estate, but he was very generous. So they sold some of their family property, and they gave that money to the church in Jerusalem. So Barnabas could be described as a rich, white, Jewish guy. He's not even a Jesus follower completely yet, but he has this history with God which is Jewish from the tribe of Levi, and his family's got wealth, so he's a rich, white, Jewish, going to be Jewish convert, very involved in the, in the Bible and the story of God. That's Barnabas. 
Here's the second one. Simeon. Simeon called Niger. Simeon is also a Hebrew name, and he is Jewish, but Niger is a Latin word for dark-skinned. He had dark-colored skin, but he was a Jewish convert. Simeon was, was converted to Christ and to Judaism, but he had a different color skin than Barnabas, who was rich and white. Both of them are on this team. Lucius of Cyrene, another Latin name, a Gentile convert to Christianity from the region today in Africa that we call Libya. Also dark-skinned, but he started as a Christian. He didn't go to Judaism. He wasn't ever Jewish. He went straight to Jesus. He wasn't religious until he met Jesus. He was a Gentile. He was an outsider. So the other two were Jewish and then came to Jesus. The other two were insiders. One was white and one was black and one was rich and one wasn't. You got two black guys. You got a rich guy. And then you got Manan or Manan, which is Jewish meaning comforter or foster brother or childhood friend. Likely grew up in Herod's house, was around other aristocrats in the government, high-standing family of influence, and had political connections. So now you've got a political guy thrown in here, somebody that was working with the government. You've got rich guy, you've got two black-skinned guys, dark-skinned guys, you've got a white guy, and you've got this guy that I'm describing who worked in uh, places of influence in politics. And then you've got Saul, the last guy, number five. He was a scholar and academic and wrote half of our New Testament, and he was the intellectual brainiac. He was the smart guy, the powerhouse of the whole team. He had all these different five guys, a diverse building crew, culturally, socially, educationally, financially, ethnically, and yet they were unified and built community in their community. So jot this down. This crew that I'm describing was made up of equal peers. Put that in there. Everybody had input. Nobody was the big chief and somebody else was the little Indians. I've said this several times. Like clubhouse rules for the treehouse of first graders, nobody act big, nobody act little, everybody act medium. So if you got a great strategy and blueprint and building program and you've got a terrific team all aligned, you got to make sure that everybody feels equal. Nobody's got big britches and somebody else doesn't have a word that they can share. Chapter 13, verse 1. Each one of them had a different job description. Verse 1, there were prophets and teachers, and it was the prophets and teachers who were all working on the same project, but it was in a different way. They had different assignments. And so I've said for years that nobody at Journey should have two jobs until everybody has one. I ought to start saying that again. Some of you are freeloading. I don't want to hurt your feelings, and I don't want to make you mad and leave, but I'm just telling you right now, some people in this room right now, and you guys that are watching online, I want you to think about this. Journey's a small group with a big impact, but it could be more and do more if everybody had a job. 
a mission and a purpose on that team with God's blueprint and strategy. And so some of us now sitting here don't have just one job or two jobs. Some people have five or six jobs or more. And, and it's overwhelming for us to continue the momentum at times. And so this team, everybody was equal peers, and they all had different job descriptions. Not everybody was good at the same thing, but everybody could do something. So some were prophets who gave spiritual guidance and said, let's pray for God's direction. We used to have a prayer team at Journey Church. We used to have a captain who was a prayer captain. We used to take prayer requests and pray about everything. We ain't got that anymore. We don't have that person on our team who actually says, I want to take this and own this, and I want to be a prayer captain and develop prayer. But there were people on this team, prophets, who gave spiritual direction and said, let's pray for God's direction before we do this or that. There were teachers that, that gave hands-on kind of training and, and, and discipleship to volunteers. We used to have some of that. We don't have any of that right now. They got together so people could go deeper with God. And so I've got a group, and Connie's got a group, and Brian's got a group. And so we've got some online groups. Justin's leading one of those, but we don't have enough group leaders and teachers and developers actually to, to build this crew. So everybody should have a job, not all the same, but we should all have equal ability and it should be equal peers. And if you watch this building crew that I'm describing, like five guys and fries or five guys in Acts chapter 13, you see people going in all kinds of directions at once. Like a football team, when everybody hikes the ball. Like a basketball team, when they throw the ball inbounds. Everybody's going in different directions, but it's in cooperation, not competition. They're all on the same page. We're going to try to move the ball, keep momentum, stay in front of the chains, keep the ball moving in the right direction towards the goal line. We're going to try to get the ball in the basket. We're going to try to score points. Everybody working together with a great building plan. Together, where nobody's unimportant, everybody has a place, people matter most. That's how you do it. Here's, here's another thing. Jot this down. This crew not only were made up of, of equal peers, no big shots or little shots, but everybody was willing to listen to the owner. Who is the owner? Who is the owner? God is the owner and the Holy Spirit. Years ago in Midland, Texas, I spent 21 years in that church. I've almost been 20 years back in Kentucky. I've been doing this about 45 years. Years ago in Midland, Texas, I had a little guy about Briella's age. And his granddaddy was the treasurer. So you know who the last two guys were in the building every Sunday? Me and the treasurer, because he was taking up the collection and putting it in the safe, and I had to lock the doors. And so here we were, Sunday after Sunday, for years, and this little fellow about the size of Briella finally walked up to me one day, one day, noticing that me and his grandpa was the only two people left in the building, and it seemed to be that way every, every Sunday. He looked up at me and says, hey, you own this place, you just work here. <laughs> He didn't know. 
you should know Bobby don't own this place. Don't listen to me. You listen to God, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. And if I ain't telling you what it says, then you tell me. That ain't what it says. Amen? Yeah, that's how it works. They were all willing to listen and follow the owner. And God, through the Holy Spirit, chooses a guy whose name is Paul. Earlier, he was Saul. You might not think I'm the right guy. You might think somebody else could do it better. Maybe they could. But God picked me and said, hey, go start a church out there. Call it Journey. We finally came up with the name Journey. We didn't have a name. We were no name. We were portable church. Because we was in a trailer. That's all we had. Until we figured it out. Call it something else. God chose this guy in Acts chapter 9 who was a persecutor of Christians having all these Christians arrested and thrown in jail and some of them executed. I was not the right guy. Honestly, when, when Connie and I started out in the military, I mean, I, I, went, I worked in factories. I worked on the farm. I wasn't interested in any church job. Come on now. But God said he tapped me and said, I want you to try this. And eventually, because of my military service, I got to go to Bible college and get an education. And eventually, people said, because I volunteered and I was a door greeter, and I didn't know I could be a door greeter. They said, stand here and hand out bulletins. Because it started that way, eventually somebody picked me and said, you can do more. And I'm just telling you that you got to listen to the owner, and God chose the most unlikely person on the planet to spread his church around the world with this message about Jesus and write half of our New Testament Bible, the Apostle Paul. God is up to something, and he slaps together this Paul who was this academic genius, biblical genius, and they have this holy partnership between Paul and Barnabas, and they go on their first global missionary journey to spread the church farther. And so it's just amazing. It's just amazing what God matches up these teams. You've got to listen to God. It puts people together, and God can do things, and God can do things with you and your ministry, and everybody ought to have a job. But nobody should have two jobs until everybody's got one. What are you waiting for? And so it's volunteers, groups of volunteers. We have volunteers that do everything. And Antioch grew rapidly, Acts chapter 11, verse 21, because the church was inclusive of everybody. Look at verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to Jesus because they welcomed people with different color skin, and they welcomed people who had no money or education right along with all those people who were wealthy and white and well-known and worked in politics. Everybody was welcome because it was a community in their community, and God used those guys to grow momentum and move the ball and stay in front of the chains and, and head toward the goal line. God is building a new kind of community called Journey Church, still doing it, and it is a big experiment. It's not over yet. Sixteen and a half years of this, We've, go, we're, we've gone up and we've gone down. We've had 300 in the room twice. 300 people, we had to go buy more chairs. You're like, are you kidding me? Can you sell a chair? We did. We had to go get more chairs, $20 a chair. We've been up and we've been down. And since COVID, it's been hard on every kind of gathering, but especially hard on churches. About 30% of all churches lost people who weren't, weren't really going anyway. I won't hurt your feelings. 
They weren't active. They were Christmas people. They were Easter people or Mother's Day people. They really weren't on the team. And so the peoples that are leftovers and left behind, they're the people that really have a mission in mind. How do I build community in my community? And so now it's kind of like rebooting, restarting what we started 16 and a half years ago and that we're meeting new people. Some of you are sitting here that weren't going here even a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And it's the way it works. God is creating momentum again in our world. And if you get the right kind of strategy and you get the right kind of construction crew together and everybody's equal peers, nobody's Mr. Big Birches, and everybody has a job, you begin to feel it. You begin to feel it in the building. You begin to feel like something's up, something's going on. God's building community in this room so that we can build community in our community, doing things together, like lighting, you know, lighting up the Christmas tree. We volunteer to hand out chocolate, like giving away man buckets, like giving away free meals at nursing homes. Like people know who Journey is. I mean, we have a label now. We, we do have a witness. We really do have a name brand that's us, the church next to AutoZone that does things for everybody where people do matter most, but we need more of you on that team, actually doing something, sharing time, talent, and treasure, getting involved, being connected, really having this dream that we can have hamburger joints and Every state in America, if that's what God wants Journey to do, that we can plant churches or start another church or whatever it is that we can possibly do. So it starts with this building program. And I better wrap this thing up pretty quick. I can see the clock ticking, and you're all going to go get kids in a second. Like, oh, my goodness, here we go. Here's number two. Some of you are building homes or you have built homes, and you know that you've got to go pull the permits. You can't just go build it your way. The church is the same thing. You, you got write this down. Our work's got to pass God's inspection because he's also got a building code you've got to follow. You can't just say, I'm Baptist. Won't work. I'm Methodist. Won't work. I'm Catholic. Won't work. Amen? Yeah. Look at verse 2 and 3. I just got three verses. Acts 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, placed their hands on these guys, and they sent them off. So people were coming together in Antioch. Other people were curious, and the message of Jesus was inclusive, and it became contagious. And this little church in Antioch caught the attention of a whole lot of people, and it became a church of influence. And journey... As I said, we've been a church of influence more than once, more than 300 plus. This room didn't have a seat in the house left. It was all filled. We bought more chairs, and we did it the right way. We did it with God's building code, his permits. So here's two. Here's the only two. Here's the only two we got. You can come as you are. You want to wear blue jeans? You want to wear a Carhartt? Come on. I don't care. It doesn't really matter. You want to sit in a white chair or you want to stand up? It doesn't matter to me either. There's only really two. Here they are. Here's the only two codes, the, bur the building per the permits that we need to pull for God's construction crew. The floor's got to be level. Put that in there. That's, that's one of them. You can't have any favoritism 
You can't show any partiality to people who grew up in a certain location and said, oh, my mom and daddy are, they're locals there. It can't be any kind of thing about a white majority or a black majority or anything else. You can't have any kind of nepotism where you inherited this position or power because your daddy was an elder, so now you're an elder. It's not going to work. It can't be the same family that's got all the power in the church. It wouldn't work in your business. It wouldn't work in your career. And it won't work in the church. You can't be this kind of favoritism or partiality that's shown to certain people that other people don't have a chance. That doesn't work. Jesus loves everybody. And not just a few people should have the power and influence and are making all the controlling decisions. It should be something equally shared the floor must be level. Jesus loves everybody, the whole world. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Say amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Peter wouldn't eat with certain people because they weren't Jewish until God told him, stop it. Are there people that you wouldn't eat with at Thanksgiving? Shame on you. Are you mad at somebody? You should get over it. You should give them some forgiveness because God forgave you. I'm just saying, Peter was stuck. He was very religious, but he showed favoritism until God told him, stop doing it. And so eventually he accepted men from every nation who fear God and do what is right. Galatians 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ by immersion. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter. Galatians 3 tells us that because of Jesus, Jesus changes everything, and we are all seen in God's eyes as equals. John 3.16, God loves everybody. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The floor must be level, and the door has to always be open. Better wrap it up, Randy. <laughs> I'm trying. The door is always open. Yeah, at Journey Church. The floor is level, and the door is always open. It's never too late for you to change. Heaven's door is open as well. People from everywhere can be together in heaven. You can be there no matter how dysfunctional your family life has been before. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Read this with me before I hit the bottom line and we wrap this up. After I looked, John says, the apostle John in Revelation chapter 7, after I looked around and there before me in heaven was a great multitude. He was having a vision that no one could count. And they were from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All kinds of people in heaven, full of people, with no ethnic issues at all. The word nations or ethnos, is what God is talking about, not races. There's only one race, the human race, H-U. Multiple ethnic groups, all kinds of skin colors, all kinds of 
cultures, but one group of people who are family. Write this down, bottom line. Being colorblind really can be a blessing. If you treat people the way God treats people, it'll be a lot better for everyone. There is community in our community when we treat everyone. Our doors open and the floor is level always. Say amen. All right, let's grab communion. Jesus changes everything. Momentum is a thing. Let's keep it going. And I'm going to get my communion. You get yours. You guys pass those trays. Let's do this. Let's keep Thanksgiving momentum and goodwill going. As God keeps it going in our heart, may we keep it going in our community. By giving everybody a fair shake. Always keeping the door open for anyone. Sure am glad you're here. I hope you'll bring somebody with you. If you don't have a job, let's talk about it. Nobody should have two jobs until everybody's got one. If you haven't taken a test drive, give it a try. If you don't like that car, bring it back. We'll find another one. Go, God. Put the bread in your mouth. Let me pray. God, it's not as complicated as we make it. It's about like burgers and fries. We just need to have the best plan possible, have the freshest burgers and potatoes that we can find, and customer service that's that's, uh, out of this world, that we anticipate people walking in, so much so that when they arrive, we shout it out, their arrival at the door. So that somebody can greet them and make them feel like they're uh, somebody really important. May, may we take over, God, and realize that this is us. This is who you want us to be. May we take over a moment like this by you cleaning things up on the inside. On the outside, we look pretty good, but it's on the inside, God. Let us get rid of any kind of a bias or prejudice or hard feeling or grudge. Man, that's no good. That's not at all what we're talking about. That's not in the Bible. That's not what you want for your team and your crew to work together. May we get rid of that. May we just send it on down the road right now as we thank you in Jesus' name for a start over, a do-over, a brand new day. May it be fresh, like going into a place that's got the best burgers and fries. May the church that we are in our life As we take the church who is us, with us, may we make people think, wow, buddy, what is going on with you? You're you're so different. You're a new person. May, May we all get there right now because of Jesus. In his name, amen. Drop the little cups in the basket and uh, put your offering in the plate. If you want to help us feed people, the nursing homes, drop something in that tide jug today. And uh, God bless you. God bless you for coming and listening. And hope you're contagious today in a good way. Yes, sir. Keep the momentum going, the goodwill. God loves you. We love you too. And you guys who are in the room, we're going to sing another song. So let's stand.